All right. You know what? Uh, I wasn't going to come back uh, yet, but I'm... Uh... All right. I want to welcome in uh, our guest. I'm just going to go seamlessly into it. We have... Uh, your, uh, hold on. Let me make your microphone hot. And by that, I mean I'm going to put I'm gonna put fire to it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put fire. 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 We have... Uh, welcome, Steve Simone. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, man. You just walked into my uh, a rant. Yeah. I, I'm all about freedom of speech, brother. Is I it? heard you... Uh, when you said you have the choice to either listen or not listen, yeah. laugh or not laugh, I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, look, when, I, when I'm doing a, a stand-up show, and I don't tour full-time anymore. I did for a long time. Yep. But uh, when I do a stand-up show, if you hire me and uh, your company is the American Tuna Company, and you go, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. We'd yep. like you to do some jokes about the CEO, this and that. I can agree or not agree to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, or if I'm going to go do a... Um, um, a, uh, I don't. If I'm going to go do, a, I did a show one time where on Saturday night I did a show for people with an alternative lifestyle in Las Vegas. Okay. Okay. And then the next morning I went and did an afternoon show at a Lutheran church. Perfect. Okay. And people go, "How can you do that?" I go, oh, "I'm a comic, and I was hired to do this show for these people who have an alternative lifestyle." Yeah. And then I was hired to do this, and I go, and I don't judge either one of them. I wrote some jokes for the alternative lifestyle people. When I did the church show, I stayed at G-rated because yep. I respected that. Yes. It's my choice to take the gig. Or not take it. Or not yeah. take the gig. Absolutely. Okay. And um, I don't know if you're running into this. I saw, uh, do you know who Rich Voss is? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I've known Rich a long time. And uh, uh, I saw a post from him, and I've seen a couple, where now if he tries to do anything political on stage, he's had people jumping up screaming, why don't you talk about this? Are you seeing any of this at all as you tour? I stay away from all that stuff. Okay, so that's what you choose. You choose to yeah, do something I choose, else. Yeah, I choose to, like, I think my style of comedy right now is kind of like, there's so many comedians cursing the darkness. I just want to be one of those guys that lights a candle. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Like, I just want to celebrate the little things, try to remind people that we're all connected, that we're all in this together, yeah. that life is a gift and it's something that should be celebrated. But the political stuff... It's got never in my life have people not respected the opinions of other people. Yeah. Like, I, I'm so not political. Yeah. And I'm pro-people. Uh -huh. that, that's why I guess I'm the guest. Yeah, I'm you're really a minority, man. Yeah. You're pro-people. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just how, uh, what's the word, Se uh, segmented everybody is. It's yeah. like you, people don't let any... I might not agree with you, but I'll defend your right to say it. Does that make sense? Well, that's uh, the, uh, the the uh, great philosopher George Vol San, uh, Santiana, yeah. I believe, was the one. It was a Voltaire. Uh, Voltaire said as well, but uh, I, I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend your uh, right to say I'll defend sure. to the death your right to say it. Yes. And I will actually, I have sat down and listened to um, comics who um, uh, have opinions that are diametrically opposed to mine. Yeah. But still enjoyed the show. It's the best. Some yeah. of my best friends view life completely different from me. Yeah. And I think that's probably the reason why we get along. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. my favorite. Like I try to work clean. I try to work positive. I try to be, be talk about family. But some of my best friends are the filthiest, craziest comics yeah. there yeah. are. And that's what that's what I love about it. Yeah. Now, are you based out of uh, L.A. or New yeah. York or you're L.A. L.A. You're an L.A. guy. Yeah. Are you born and raised? No, I'm originally from Philly. And then uh, I've been, I pretty much got started trying to do the open mics at the comedy store 16 years ago. I, you know, I, I got to ask you a question. Um, yeah. So many uh, great comics of, uh, I, I want to say my generation. So, because uh, I started doing comedy in 85 and I, I stopped touring That's in 2000. Awesome. But so many of the great comics of, of that generation come out of the Philadelphia area. I'm talking primarily uh, right off the top of my head, Rich Scheidner. Yep. Craig Shoemaker. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dom Herrera. Dom Herrera. Yeah, Dom. You know. Uh, He's a legend. Yeah, legend, yeah. I don't know Dom as well as another two, but I've worked with him a few times. You go, wow, okay. And the kind of guys, when you watch them, go, oh, that's a stand-up comic. That's not a guy who's wants to be a sitcom star, reality shows. They yep. would take that. Sure. They've all done it, but at their heart, they're still... What is it about Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area, that it, it didn't give us... You know, after the Philadelphia sound, yeah. you know, of music, it's not like a lot of great, uh, after the 50s and 60s, a lot of great music. Yep. But why so many great comics out of Philadelphia? What's so bad about Philadelphia? That's what I, th I think. It's like <laughs> Philly's known for three things. Boxers, attorneys, and comedians. 
So you learn how to fight with either your your words, your sense of humor, your fists. And that's <laughs> it. And then the I was just telling somebody last night I did open I did three open mics in Philly, like because I was comedy was dead in the nineties. Yeah. And I was just trying to figure out how to get on stage, and I didn't know how to do it. But I think back to open mics I did at this place called the Laugh House in Philadelphia on a Tuesday night in 1998, and there was myself. This guy, Big J, who just had an hour special on Comedy Central. Kevin Hart, who's the biggest comedian in the yeah, world. Yeah. And then I think it was Joe DeRosa and Kurt Metzger were all at this awful open mic 18 years ago. It's the, it's just that city. Like So many people that you don't even think they're comedic, but they're not necessarily stand-ups. Like Tina Fey, um, Adam McKay, who directs all Will Ferrell's yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, Neil Brennan, who co- who's a great stand-up comic, who co-created The Chappelle Show. Yeah. They're all Philly people. And yeah. I think I think it's just because um, there's a little frustration there, and a lot of comedy gets born from frustration. Yeah, do, do people go, you know, we got the Liberty Bill, we started this whole mess, we should get a little respect. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's part of it. Like, there's that Philly attitude is what really the attitude of America, where it's like, you know what, forget it, let's f this, let's go. Now I know that uh, a number of years ago, and I'm sure it was during your lifetime, and this I think this is what uh, why so many people are uh, funny out of Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia, correct me if I'm wrong. Suffered a terrible loss, one that tore at the fabric and soul of that very Which city. One's that? When Tasty Cakes, uh, you know, you remember what I'm talking about? The, the type of uh, the little uh, little they're snack so delicious. Cakes? Yeah, are they still in existence? They are. They, they are. got bought out by another company, but they don't taste. Quite That's the what same. I'm saying. That's what they I'm don't saying. Taste quite the same. I, many people I know from yeah, Philadelphia. You're you absolutely know? right. Yeah, it's it's like trying to feed pizza to someone from Brooklyn, anyplace else in the world. <laughs> this ain't pizza. <laughs> it's not <what> you, <laughs> so you, right. you can't call this a pizza. That uh, what would happen with Tasty Cakes when it got bought out? The taste changed, and I it think did. It, it damaged the very soul and fabric. <laughs> we take our food <laughs> seriously. Yeah, that's true. I heard somebody yeah. tell me one time to go. The only thing this thing is good for now is maybe to repair the crack in the Liberty Bell. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I learned about Tasty Cakes on, a, on a, 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 f- a plane ride with someone and talking to him about White Castles being very indigenous to St. Louis. And mm. uh, then they started telling me about Tasty Cakes. And I had no... And then someone sent me a box. I was oh, living in so Hollywood cool. and someone sent me like a giant box. I think it's what almost sent me into diabetes too later in life. I love one of the best things about being a comedian for me is I love people and I love to travel. But it's those regional treats where you go somewhere and they're like, "Do you ever have this?" I'm like, "No, what's that? That's the best." You ever tried this right here? What? What? A little hot on Steve. Steve, if you could pull down the uh, there we go there. That's better. 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 So how we how we better 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 this way. Better than <laughs> it's way. like the hearing test. <laughs> yeah. Boop, boop. Better, worse. I test. Did you ever take one of those hearing tests? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a hypochondriac? Yeah. Uh, nope. Yeah. I'm the opposite of that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm actually a um, a passive hypochondriac because every day I What's wake up. What's a passive hypochondriac? Every day I <laughs> wake awesome. up, I wake up and think that I have a horrible disease. And I mean, I just I, I go, and it's always weird. I go, I bet you I have ass cancer, not colon cancer, <laughs> ass cancer. Okay, uh, I bet you I'm going to bleed from the eyeball, but I won't do anything about it. It's like I'm sure I'm going to die of something, but I won't go to the doctor. Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so because I, I realize it's insanity, but then I'll go to the doctor and I go, well, that's not wrong with you, but this is really wrong with you. So, but you're There's not more. a you're not a hypochondriac. No, some comics are because you, I kind of used to be like that. We spend so much time alone thinking. That then eventually you could be attacked by your own thoughts. Yeah, but the, exactly. God bless you. Yeah. But I started to realize all the stuff I survived. And yeah. I'm like, God bless you. Thank you. And Andy, I'm like, okay? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. But there's really nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> I think that's the number one thing that every all human beings fight is fear. Then when you really look at it, you're like, what is there? There's, I've, I've survived so much. I think I've got nothing. Zika. <laughs> 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 Have you been anywhere near Florida? No, or? no, nowhere near. That's the best. I, I think I'm going to be the guy who the, <laughs> the first known case of Zika. That's a awesome. Podcaster, stand-up comic, old guy, <laughs> first known case. But you know, as I understand it, unless you're going to have a baby, it's not really that big a deal. Yeah, I don't think it's that big yeah. a deal. Like Mandy cannot get Zika because as uh, do you know Mandy well enough to know her affliction in life? What do you mean her she, affliction? She has baby fever. Oh, yeah. 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 With, yeah. 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 You yeah. know what? It's amazing, Mandy, if I could be perfectly honest, is for someone to have baby fever and interact with so many comics that you don't have several. <laughs> That's true. That is <laughs> interesting. <laughs> 
Yeah, kind of like the majority of clubs you go to, isn't there one pregnant waitress per every 10? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's always, yeah. Are you a single guy, married guy? I have a girlfriend. You have a woman? Yeah, I have a lady. She's cool. You got yourself a girl, do you? Yeah. <laughs> she bought me this Texas t-shirt. She's from Texas. Is she? Yeah, she's awesome. Wait, did you meet her on the road? I Well, I met her in, not really the road road. I met her in San Diego. Uh, at the comedy store down there yeah. a couple years ago. But that then she counts. lived in L.A. She lived. She was just down there with clients. And then, uh, we, you know, thank God the social media. She, was she, she did she work there or was she an audience? No, she was just in the audience. She was in the audience at the comedy yeah. store. Isn't that a fascinating club, the comedy store in, in La Jolla? Because it's it, it's not La Jolla. It's, uh, or is it La Jolla? Yes, yeah, La Jolla. It is La Jolla. Because um, it literally has not changed from the day they opened the door. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it's a very cool club, but Super I mean, cool. but you see, actually, it, you—it's like walking into a living yet still vibrant museum. Absolutely, yeah, the exact same decor. Does she still have a piano player? Yep. Yeah, that was like it's so important to Mitzi at the yep. beginning of it all to add. She didn't know if the, she didn't know if the comics were going to be able to carry the whole thing. So maybe we need a, some other. Okay. Okay. Well, I started. Open mics at the comedy store. I get a job working the door at the comedy store. No, started on the phones before the door. Sure. I started on the phones. Three months later, they were like, you're going to be the new manager. I'm like, what? (laughs) 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 That's how because I was the only person that showed up on time and wasn't on drugs. So like, yeah, you're the new manager. (laughs) Mitzi walked me through her club. This is 2001. Yeah. Everything in her Hollywood location served a purpose. Yeah. The way she had the lights dimmed, the type of flowers that she chose, what type of music before the piano player started. Yeah. I mean, everything. She's a genius. She yeah. figured out everything the way she wants it. Yeah. No, she did. She did. I mean, um, if it wasn't for her, I don't know that comedy would have had the same trajectory that it has today. I don't think so. I noticed that you have the Lenny Bruce poster over there. And yeah. She told me. She saw Lenny Bruce in the 60s in Miami Beach. Sure. And she went, she, she, she told me she heard God talk to her. Really? And she knew that maybe not then, but at some point that would be her life turning, following the path he blazed of comedy going from jokes into more of a form of expression and a form of art. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah, amazing guy. Amazing yep. guy. And how many comics don't realize that, uh, I'll, I'll talk to young comics or beginning comics, and I go, he's the grandfather. I go, if, if Richard Pryor is the father of what we do, yes. and I kind of think that he is. Me too. Okay, but the grandfather of it was Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce is literally the guy who, uh, uh, he follows a long line of people being the first guy with a covered wagon to go into some uncharted territory, and now there's like, that guy has a monument built to him like in the middle of Utah, and it's a statue with an arrow through his head. Yeah. Because he got killed. killed. Yeah. yeah. Like, we as comics, we don't realize, I think we take a lot for granted, the, the way he fought for freedom of speech, and now people are giving it away. Like, I think there was a comic in Canada that I, I a couple months back, I contributed some a couple bucks to a GoFundMe page, who wound up in jail for something he said. Like yeah, they they have different they have different different, uh, laws. different laws in Canada and uh, concerning hate speech. Um, a lot of people would uh, uh, label me a progressive liberal, and then they're shocked that I oppose all hate speech legislation because I go, now you're going to thought speech. Uh, Correct. You know, and and then people go, well, thought can be brought into legal proceedings. A premeditated murder, you got to prove that. But I said that's murder. You know, now we're talking about speech, and if you really start in, impinging on that. It's you know? frightening. I think it was George Carlin, I'll paraphrase him, but I think he said that political correctness is censorship disguised as kindness. Yeah, Something you know, that's, like that. that's perfect. That's perfect. Now, I, you know, I've explained to people, uh, certain uh, members of my generation who are not comics, guys, I'm 61, guys in their 60s. look awesome, yeah. by the way. Not bad for an old man. <laughs> not, <laughs> now, you, st- you start saying those stupid things, you get older. <laughs> not bad for an old man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wearing a baseball cap. In a couple of years, I have one with like a little funny bird I do, on I it. I do appreciate it. it's the Clippers too. And Clippers, not the Lakers, so that's Clippers. Strong. I'm a big. Well, I lived in L.A. for 30 years, and um, uh, you know, there's in L.A. there is uh, there is Laker Nation and there's Clipper Nation. Yep. And uh, I never quite made. I, I never quite. I never went over to the three picture deal, <laughs> <laughs> which is get you Laker Nation. That's you know? hilarious. Yeah, I think I'm sitting in Jed Apatow's old seats. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Judd was an uh, was an opening I uh, was an opening act around town, and then one day he went, 
Hey, he's sitting in the front row of the Lakers game. What happened? Yeah, he's back at the comedy store, by the way. Is he? Yeah, I'm like too too like I'm a comedy nerd. Yeah, I love comedy too much that there's sometimes there's people where I know he's on a different level, so I just appreciate the fact that he's there. Yeah, and I don't bother him or make eye contact. Yeah. but it's pretty cool. You know, I he had a um, uh, there's a there's a show that uh, Craig Shoemaker and I will never forget where it was uh, Judd Apatow was booking a one nighter on a Wednesday in Temecula. Wow. And uh, we all drove down in separate cars because we all had our own thing, man. <laughs> and, uh, Jed w- and Jed was the opening act. I was the feature, and Craig was the head. And it was one of Craig's first headlining gigs in L.A. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, when he was still doing Do I Look Like John Boy and putting a giant black dot on his cheek. <laughs> but, you know, Judd later on had uh, an incredibly funny bit about um, uh, having a, uh, a foster child or pen pal in Nicaragua and him being a rich kid in L.A., and trading stories going, I am so tired from playing tennis. What? Oh, so you scrounge for food in a garbage heap. Oh, that was Judd Apatow. I remember um, seeing that on television back in the 90s at some point. Yeah, I remember that yeah. bit. Yeah, because we did, it did he, letters back and forth. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that bit. Yeah. That's amazing. It's one of those where I was watching him going, this is a really good. I think I could be wrong. I was either watching a taping evening at the improv or we were both on that particular evening at the Improv. Wow. And I remember, it's one of those bits where you're watching, and you go, fuck, that's Genius. a good bit. Man, yeah. i got to write more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Do you have those guys in your life that are Freddie? You really love? Look, there's one where you're sitting there going, I hate that. But you watch them go, oh, i got to write more. Because this guy's really good. He's moved. It, it kind of shows you how to go to the next level yeah, or something. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I think there's so many different ways to approach comedy. Because there are some people that you go, oh, that dude, that's brilliant. Yeah. But then there are other guys. Like, one of my favorites to watch is this guy, Joey Diaz. I love yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He's just a force of nature. Like, he could be talking to me. He could walk from his car at in the parking lot and start telling me Big about heavy set dude. Yeah, about what happened on his way to the club. And then they announce his name. And he just continues that story. That just happened two minutes ago. It's not contrived at all, and it's just him. And when I see stuff like that, I go, that's a force of nature. I'm very, you can't teach that. I'm very proud to say that um, Joey Diaz was an opening act for me on a triple run in oh Colorado. Oh, my god! Back around that time. That's you know? awesome. Uh, I actually um, I did a joke at that time. It was the first time I ever got confronted by a liberal from the audience. Uh-huh. So we're doing, we're doing a hotel in Boulder. Okay. Joey, and then I, I used to do a joke about um, uh, that um, – they say that, uh, uh, on average, gay people have higher intelligence than the rest of the population, uh-huh. but you can't prove it by what they want, which is to get married and join the military, two things I've been trying to avoid my entire life. That's a brilliant joke. Yeah, and you know, it was, and then I come off stage, and a gay woman came up and go, that joke really offends me, because I'm gay, and I go, well, it was not. <laughs> okay, what happened somewhere in my lifetime, in the last, I don't know, last 20 years, yeah. but it seems like, when did liberals become the uptight people? Yeah, have you noticed that? I yeah, and I, I am a liberal, and you are Me correct too. Yeah. Like I'm, but I'm like old school. Like I was taught my favorite teachers in high school were like the social studies, history type teachers, mm-hmm. and they were all hippies, man. Yeah, they're just super cool people. Yeah, and they just seemed more compassionate and kind, and that's yeah. what I try to do. That's it. Yeah. Love and kindness. That's it. Everybody's invited. No exclusions. Everybody deserves a chance. Everybody. But now the political climate, it's like if you, they're yeah. tight. Yeah, they're angry. You know what I think it stems from, uh, this is not an excuse for it, but a reason, is that uh, language, uh, racial epithets, which were so acceptable in this society. Mm -hmm. I was watching a movie from the 1930s, not too long ago, with Walter Houston, if if you're a movie buff at all. I am a movie. He was in Treasure, Sierra Madre. Oh, one of my all-time favorite movies. He's the old guy in that, but he was a leading man. How great was that movie, by the way? We watched it again the other day. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Such a great metaphor. (laughs) Why are you young enough to make and lose many fortunes? (laughs) You're standing on top of it, you fools. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. My favorite line is not badges. We don't need no badges. So funny. My favorite line is he goes, I know you. You're the man in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. Such a good movie. It was a 1930s movie. Walter Houston playing the crusading district attorney against the uh, influence of the mob in the city. Okay. It was a, a, one of those social realism movies of the 30s and talking about we need to get these oily people with their oily hair out of our country. Yep. And that was in the movie and yep. it was acceptable. So basically it was a slur on Italian-Americans. Yes. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, the uh, the N-word was commonly used yep. and not an issue. So for a long time, language was used to actually keep uh, uh, classes and races 
in check, along with a lot of other things. Okay. So I think where some of political correctness, I explained to someone, I think, and tell me if you agree or disagree, that political correctness originally started out as a nice way to tell the bigot you couldn't call the black guy a jungle bunny. Okay. That was instead of going, you're a racist, you're a bigot. We go, that term's not politically correct. That way, right. that guy wasn't going to get all you. You calling me a bigot? Instead of going, right. okay, well, all right, I got that. Started out as a polite way to do it, but may have now gotten out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a form of policing. Yes. Like I, I like when people express themselves because then it makes it easier for me to avoid the assholes yeah does that make sense you know that a hundred percent and i'm like oh okay at least i okay and then like if somebody's racist i'm like great that's your own punishment does that make sense like if you can't appreciate somebody because of the color of their skin yeah i don't need to do anything to you because you're missing out on life yeah and then that's it let people let them be lost if they want to be i agree i said that to people i go i go when i was a kid in the 60s you know um that we knew who the bigots were, we knew who the racists were. Yeah. They told you, yeah. you know. Uh, I had that uncle who come and go. Yeah. I don't like him. It was about two beers in, <laughs> and I go, I go, I go. See, that should be the name of a TV show. Two, two beers in. There, there was see, and there, there's always there's a numerical thing where you can find out who a racist is. When in the '60s it was two beers in. Uh-huh. By the '90s it was third hole on the golf course. <laughs> By the third hole, someone to force them go. Hey, you guys are all good guys. Thank you. Hey, you want to hear a joke? It's yeah. a little racist. Yeah. <laughs> it usually happened about the third hole on the golf course. Yeah, that whole thing is just so crazy. I don't understand it. Yeah. The only time that I don't like someone for the color of their skin, and I'm, there is a time, okay, it's just is when the day before they were white and the next day they're yellow because now they have jaundice <laughs> and I don't want to eat after them because I, I might know, get, contagious yeah. and it gets I don't back to the hypochondriac thing. If your yeah, skin color Zika. has to do with Zika, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then I'm not, then I, I don't want you in my home or around in schools. I don't want you in my school. God, man, what is wrong with people? There's, I, I think there's just people I want to hang out with and people that really need a hug. That's it. <laughs> like the more I've been through it, the people that are the biggest assholes are the ones that are the saddest. And you that's know, the truth. You know who the saddest are? Are the ones who were on the side of minorities when they could be paternalistic. Mm. It's like Charlton Heston was all proud of the fact that he marched with Martin Luther King Jr. But once African-Americans are able to get to the level where they're going, thank you, Mr. Heston, but we don't need you to Yeah, I'm on my lead. own, man. Yeah, that then you go, well, wait a minute. It, when, it's that paternalistic kind of thing that... Uh, I, is one of the most bothersome. Yeah, that is bothersome because yeah. it's like – I also think it's like if you're really all-inclusive of people, you can call somebody an asshole regardless of their thoughts, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their sexual orientation. You could be a piece of crap regardless of who you are, and I think that's what real acceptance is. Well, you're working with a guy this week. I, I know both of the guys you're working with very well. Uh, I know Bob Kubota very well. Normally, Bob comes in at, at 11.30 and does a podcast with us, but he's a true comic. If he has a gig, he won't get up till 3. Hilarious. <laughs> I finally got to work. I've heard his name for a long time, so yeah. I'm so happy to be working with him. Yeah. And then, of course, John Gregory is a friend of ours. He's the best. Yeah. I worked with him last year, and we became buddies. Like yeah. We stayed in touch. Yeah, those guys, uh, we regularly work together on a lot of stuff here in town. Bob, uh, and uh, Bob, I hope you don't get upset, but uh, Bob's act is so smart. Bob, growing up an Asian-American in Detroit and then living here, and uh, uh, is able to do an act where he's actually able to lash out at all the uh, passive and unintentional and intentional racism that has been shoved his way and make the racist people laugh at it and not realize that they're laughing at themselves. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah, when you can do that, that's next-level stuff. Yeah, it's like I can make uh, uh, people from Uganda realize that, you know, they've been making fun of me. I don't know what I'm saying now. I just went off a cliff. I just went off a cliff. I was doing well. I was on an even keel, and then I went off, man. So you're like a comedy store guy. Yeah, for sure. Does the does the um, does the uh, divide still exist? Not as much as it used to. It was no. strong. When no, because like I read that book, I'm dying up here. Yeah. When I got to the store, there was maybe like I do remember at the time this kid, uh, Duncan Trussell, was the talent coordinator. It was a great comic. Yeah. On his own. But back then, he was just booking the comics. And I remember he called Mitzi to let her know in advance that he was going to the improv not to perform, but just to hang out. Yeah. I remember that vividly. And Mitzi would call the improv, oh, that saloon down on Melrose. Yeah. She wouldn't even call it a club. And then 
we I used to go to this. There was a place on Tuesday nights. It was called Dublin's. Yeah, it was a yeah. bar on Sunset, and it was the it was back like when Dane Cook was cutting his teeth and was sure. the guy everybody would come see. But it was pretty much it felt like a gang fight because you had comedy store comics, improv comics, and Laugh Factory comics. But at the same time, the alternative scene was really starting to yeah. bubble over, and then they were all the kids that started to work. Now, everybody just works just about every club. Yeah, there's was- no more us against them it's all us you know one of, of one of my best friends is argus hamilton i love uh, argus isn't argus great he's the absolute best yeah i met him um and and we, and I, we talk he and i both talk about this publicly i was in a different line of work a long time ago mm-hmm. and uh argus was a person who um was a purchaser and, uh-huh. yeah, 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 gotcha. <laughs> and I, I attend a bar at a saloon on melrose called sloan's which is long since gone mm-hmm. but uh, uh so i actually knew argus then and then uh i when i got into comedy he was already in it but I saw him in the se- – I, I moved to L.A. in the 70s and went to the comedy store, and I saw all these guys. First night I went there, and I saw uh, Tom Dreesen and Johnny Dark and wow. David Letterman and Jay Leno and Jeff Altman and all Jimmy Walker. All in one Walker. night? All in one night. This That's was the incredible. lineup. This was the lineup, but he didn't really – you know, and um, then a couple – and then I decided to go to acting school, and uh, one day I'm reading the paper, and I see all these guys out on picketing, and I'm going, comics? Picketing? Yep. And the first time I went to the improv was to see Amy Madigan because she was in a band. Wow. So, uh, and then when I got involved in comedy, there were people to come up, put their arm around me, and go, You're going to be an improv guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Don't ever go to the comedy store. You know? That's uh, crazy. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was that. They would never say it to you. The bookers would never say it to you. But it was known that never shall the twain meet. You know? And I started the Laugh Factory. So yeah, it was you know weird. what? It's I think it's just in the last few years that that sort of it was kind of there. Like, yeah, I know when I was coming up, I wasn't good enough to be affected by it. You know, yeah, I was just like, where can I get on stage? Where are the open mics? Where? Yeah, but um, it's not there anymore. Well, what's cool about what you're telling me is you you were actually you know it started what about 16 years ago? Yeah, part of what is really what is comedy now? What I did was comedy then, yep. still viable, still you know still yeah. relevant, but. Uh, that's what I say, but <laughs> but there was this change that happened about fifteen or sixteen years ago, like a whole new generation coming up through an alternative mean. Yeah. All right, we can't. It used to be if you couldn't get into the comedy store improv, you didn't go to any bar on Sunset because if they heard about it, so it kind of tamped it down. Yeah. But your generation kind of went, you know, we want to do this, and I think it was because it had become so entrenched. Yeah. The same people headlining. The same people on the on the uh, on the set list every night, not because they didn't deserve to be, right? But that's who it was, and there was yeah, no there was way to no crack opportunity. There was no way to crack yeah. it, and you people want to do it. Yeah, you had yeah, to create your own opportunities. Yeah. I would say, like right now, when I showed up at the comedy store, it was kind of a ghost town. To yeah. be honest with you, yeah. Um, I like I can remember nights where we canceled shows because nobody was there. Yeah, the I remember that. Store. Yeah, and then there were nights where it was like they went from having main room shows on Friday and Saturday. To just Saturday and the Saturday shows wouldn't sell out, but I've seen this renaissance and it's amazing, especially in the last two years where it's sold out every night. The biggest names in comedy are there, and it feels like those stories I would hear about 15 years ago, yeah. 10 years ago. And I think part of the reason is guys of my generation, we got into comedy because we loved it. Yeah, there was no career path for us, there was no real stage time for us, but it was like this is all we can do, man. This is it. And I remember uh, it was Dice. Believe it or not, this has to be 13 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. Where he sort of became like a, a door guy again and would hang out with us and just laugh yeah. and like get in the high. And he took a couple of us under his wing and he was like, guys, if you're not having fun now, get out. Yeah. He goes, get out. He goes, this is about having fun. He was like, Steve, think about it. It's a Tuesday night. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. And we're having laughs like we're 12-year-old yeah. kids. He goes, your friend's back in Philly. They're asleep. They, if they, or they're awake worrying about a mortgage they can't pay to, or to wake up to a job they don't want to go to. Yeah. He goes, being poor isn't that bad if you're enjoying yourself. But if you're not having fun now, get out of the business because as your career grows, it only gets worse. This is the yeah. most fun point. And that's why we were there. We were there because it's fun. I had heard that he had become um – uh, and a lot of people say oddly, uh, you know, I, I know a little bit about his rise, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that I and I in, I could be wrong. This is the story yeah. I heard. Maybe maybe you can uh, maybe if I'm wrong, you can enlighten a bit. As I understood it, that he as a comic, 
that the Dice Man was one of the things that he did. Yes. And it blew up. Yeah. And it was like it was like if you uh, were doing if you were I can't even describe what it is, but it was just like if a one, character. Yeah, but yeah, a character. Like if you played a character in a movie, and when that's it, that's what you're playing for the rest of your life. Right. And for him, it became almost a leading. It became a leading man character. Yes. And that it blew up on him and kind of carried him. And at one point, it was like. I remember hearing stories where I'm going, I don't want to be the Dice Man anymore. Yep. Like Bobcat did that crazy... Yes. And then made that painful transition... Absolutely. ...to doing social, political... Con- which never quite worked for him. He yeah. went on to direct... But yeah, stuff. now he's a great it's filmmaker. So funny. Yeah, yeah oh, it's so I love funny. Bobcat. See, I, I feel like I was so blessed because the 80s to me... Yeah. And it, I don't think it's just nostalgia. I really do think comedy was... It was magical then. And not just in terms of stand stand up yeah. was great, but you also had great comedic films. You had great every great authors. There was funny books to read. Like yeah. so many different influences. So many different influences. I started in uh, 85, 86 at the Laugh Factory. It was uh, Rich Scheidner and Claudia Lanau who said you should do this, and I go do what? And they said stand up comedy. And I don't think my career went the way either one of them thought it should, but yeah. it went the way it went. You know, absolutely and, the uh, way it was supposed to. Yeah, go. and it's but it was at that time when. Uh, I would go on the road, and the he- you know the headliners were Bill Hicks, and Amazing. the headliner was Larry Miller and Rich Scheidner, and these were the headliners, you know. And I can't even go on and on. And some of the lost, very funny guys uh, of that of that time too, who are no longer doing it, or kind of. But I remember working with Dom Herrera and going, "This guy," and you know, you're in Milwaukee, and there's Dom Herrera. Yep. You know, or you're in uh, North Carolina, and there's uh, uh, Bill Hicks. Yeah, so, like it's, and you would hear those stories. I think it's sort of like uh, a great it's all about persistence like yeah. people that just don't quit and i would hear these stories of like these magical lineups like dude bill hicks was featuring yeah kinnison was emceeing and there yeah. was a third guy that had like you would hear all these stories yeah. and then now that i can look back over the last 15 16 years i was part of some certain lineups like that yeah, where people are absolutely like, what? yeah they all, you almost, guys were all there on the same night almost like the new movement of a, a lewis ck and a, and a dane cook and a, yep let me ask you a question. Okay, so I, and I think I think I can get a good answer from you on this. Yeah, um, um, we have a pretty vibrant local scene here in Phoenix. Awesome, you know, very vibrant, and it also carries with it the baggage, which is uh, somebody go, "Well, I got comedy beef with this guy, or I got nice. comedy beef." Some of that coming from, uh, uh, and not from this club, by the way, and I and I mean that in all seriousness because they have such a different policy. Uh, and, I'm not going to say any particular club, okay? Okay, or particular organization, but some of it does. In some, let's take it out of this city. In some comedy communities, it does come from the top down, from clubs going, "If you work there, we won't hire you," and it, it, it creates that sort of that sort of issue. Yeah, that divide and conquer type thing. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I just don't. I'm just not a part of that. Like I said, when I was coming up at the comedy store. I essentially became a comedy store guy out of no other options. I didn't have a car. I could walk to the club. Yeah. Uh, I had to have hey, a you job. Were living, you were living in West Hollywood, though. You I was living on Hollywood and La Brea. Okay, yeah, sure. Right? And uh, I would walk. It was about two-mile walk. I'd walk down there every night. And I didn't have a way to get on stage anywhere else. I was starving, so I had to work the phones during the day, door at night. There was a pizza place a block away from the comedy store. I got a job there. Yeah. So I became a store guy just because that's the way it happened. It wasn't like, oh, I'm against alternative comics or I don't want to work the improv. None of that stuff. It was just like, okay, this is where I'm being fed, literally yeah, sure. and creatively. Yeah. Um, but then as I st- and my generation started to evolve, that system went away. Yeah. And I think it's because comedy went away. Yeah. There, was, there was no money involved. There was no egos involved. Whether you were a kid – Going up at some alternative lounge in Silver Lake, or you were getting up and headlining the improv on Melrose, or coming to the comedy store to work out new material at a late night set. Everybody got into comedy because they loved it. And I think that's where I still am now. Like now that's money starting to get involved, and I guess more politics will come along with the money. Sure. But I don't care. Yeah. It's like, it's, it, and it's not like me trying to be like, oh, I want to be everybody's friend. It's like, no, man, I don't care. I starved for years doing this because I loved it. And now that career opportunities are starting to come my way, awesome. I want everybody invited. I want yeah. everybody to come along for the ride because life's better that way. I was explaining to a young comic not too long ago who was talking about he hated that comic and loved this comic. This guy second. I go, you realize everybody you mentioned just has the same agent. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, what? I go, they go to the same parties. Yeah. Okay? And if they don't go to the same parties, they're trying to get into those parties. Yeah, and here's the other thing too. Like, 
this business is so difficult. Anybody yeah. that's found a way to keep their sanity, you yeah. have my respect. Yeah. You know, like I'll hear kids go, oh, he's a hacky. He's this and that. I'm like, he's making a living doing yeah. comedy. I, I respect that. Bill Hicks told me that one time we were talking about there was some comic he had ripped into some pretty big comic yeah on, on a long drive when you know and uh, and you know your conversations going everywhere and he'd ripped into him and a couple days later he actually uh, we were talking again he goes you know what I want to apologize I go apologize you don't he goes anybody can make a buck yep. in his living I respect uh, completely you know? because even for him it became difficult for him to make a living in America. And he was, you know, he was. It looked like his career was headed to England yep. before his very untimely demise. So, you know, when you mentioned Dice being a mentor, uh, I want to ask about a comic, um, and I hope I get her name right, Eleanor Kerrigan. Kerrigan. Yeah, she's awesome. She was on the show a she's year ago this week. Yeah, she's a Philly girl, too. Yeah, that's right. She's that's awesome. Right. Yeah, and She's she, absolutely awesome. She was on the show, and she was the one telling us about Dice being such a mentor. And then uh, a couple months ago, uh, we were actually watching stand-up on television. I don't know what happened. But... <laughs> Yeah, I never watched that. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I think. Well, isn't stand up so much better in person? It's that is, oh, it it's, is. I think it's the best form of live entertainment. Like I grew up a comedy nerd. You mentioned A and E at the Improv. Yeah, I walked into the Melrose Improv for the first time like Rudy when he walked into Notre Dame. <laughs> like I'm like that. You could feel the comedy spirits coming yeah. through the walls, and I'm like, that's. Where Bud Friedman had the monocle and yeah. like the hair. Just thinking about it, the hair on my arms is like yeah. I am a comedy nerd. I would yeah. watch at the Laugh Factory. What was it live from the Sunset Strip comedy? Yeah, com- wa- yeah, comic strip or comedy. Yes. Strip. Yeah, I mean, started I- out at Jan Smith's and Igby's. If you know Jan, who's one of the from bigger- the Ice House. Yeah, yeah, he owned a club called Igby's in West LA. That was, I didn't know that. That was the go-to club for the industry because it was in West LA. And that's where that is awesome. That's where a guy and you could do an hour. You couldn't do an hour at. Um, uh, the store, the store wasn't going to change no. his policy, yeah, and the improv was going to change his policy. So Jam became the place where a guy could do an hour, and everybody could, uh, from the industry, could, they weren't going to go all so the way out to the ice to house. They weren't going to go to Lacey's uh, down in Huntington Beach. That's where you could showcase. Yeah, that is, dude. That's a, now that makes sense because Jan's so cool. Yeah, like he's just a good dude. Yeah, what the heck, were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about Eleanor. We're talking about um, uh, seeing it live, seeing oh, stand up yeah, live. So much better live. Like I yeah. grew up watching it on TV. And I devoured stand-up, like, yeah. just as a fan. I still can't believe I get to do this. Yeah. But seeing stand-up live, you're connected to it. Like, I'm so old. I Like, I love music, but I don't want to go to concerts anymore. Yeah. I don't want to put up with it. Grateful I know day. that makes me sound no. like a cranky old man. Fog hat. Dude, no. Sporting events, even if I have great seats, I'd rather just stay at home and not deal with people. Clippers. But live <laughs> comedy, you're part of it, man. Yeah. You're part of it. Because here's the other thing, too. Like, a basketball game, a Clipper game – the Clippers are going to be great whether there's one person in that crowd or 20,000. Yeah. Is, uh, uh, Grateful Dead's still going to kill it whether yeah. they're in their garage yeah. just drinking beer and smoking yeah. a joint and having laughs yeah. or Rose Bowl. Yeah. Stand-up comic, what I do, I need an audience. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and I don't care. I know there's two schools of thoughts on this where people go, well, it's never, it's never the audience. It's always you. I'm like, no, nah, dude. Sometimes it's the audience. You're absolutely right when it becomes one organism. Yes. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a dialogue with the audience. It's yes. not a monologue. Yes. And you either if I connect with the crowd, we're gonna have fun and I'm gonna make friends. And it's like I feel like I I know those people. Yeah. And it's great. But if I don't connect, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I mean, God. you you can get good enough that you, there's there's nights. Have you had those nights where ten minutes in you're someplace you're in, you're in someplace you know that's not home. I don't want to put, I've, I've worked so many cities and have so many yeah. friends. I don't want to put any right. cities. And you go, nothing's happening tonight. I'm, I'm not mailing it in, but I'm just I'm just hitting the beats and going home. One, two, three, four. One, yeah, two, it's the worst feeling. Yeah, I you, try not. What I try to do is when that happens, I try to take the Bill Hicks approach. And I'm like, all right, I'm scrapping the act. Yeah. Let me figure out who in here I can connect with. Yeah. Well, but, you know, one of his philosophies is never swim too far from Dick Joke Island. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> But you're right about the life thing. And I, I tell young comics this. I go, you know why we still exist? When you think of all the ways that people can access entertainment mm-hmm. nowadays. I can, I, I've got a little square rectangle thing sitting on the table. I can look at the best comics in the world right now immediately yep. at their peak performances. Yes. I can watch Charlie Chaplin and Richard Pryor yes. and George Carlin and Bill Hicks back to back right now. Yes. So why do we still exist? Because there's something about a live show where there is the realistic possibility that you're going to laugh hard a lot. Yes. You there is a realistic possibility when you go to a stand-up comedy club that not too long after you sit down for the next hour and a half, 
you won't stop laughing. Yes. That's what we offer. Now, is that mark always hit? No. no. But even if it's hit 50%. It's worth it. I just, one of my f- all-time favorite comedy movies is something about Mary. You can't. It's, uh, but how many. The Fairly Brothers first three movies out of the gate, it's almost impossible. Yeah. They did uh, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, what was the one with the Amish? Kingpin. Yeah. And there's something about Mary. Yeah. Incredible. There's something yeah. about Mary. One of the best movies ever. Even with those movies, though, the number of laughs are, do not equate to a really, really great stand-up comedy show at the Comedy Store, at the Improv, at the Laugh Factory on any given night when you will laugh, or at uh, or here at Rick Bronson's, where you can laugh nonstop. You have a lineup this week where... I've seen people laugh nonstop at Bob. I've seen people laugh nonstop at John. Uh, uh, we, by reputation and for stuff we saw on video, people laugh nonstop at you. They yeah. can walk in there and laugh. And that's one of the things that, that a stand, live stand-up comedy show offers that's different than any other form Absolutely. of entertainment. And you take that good vibe with you. Yeah. You know, like I, I like that one. Because we as comics, we never know why some, some people are in the audience too. Yeah. We get sometimes where people need to laugh. Yeah. And there's nothing better than, than giving them that laugh. And then hopefully, like what I try to do, is um, I I want to uh, sort of change the way people look at life. Yeah. You know, I don't want to just make them laugh. I want to like sort of remind them that like, hey man, it's not so bad. You sell them there's something, is, there's something to celebrate. What are you gonna get? What is it, dude? Gonna, ice cream and pizza. Yeah, if yeah, turn everybody into Lutherans, what the hell? <laughs> <is going on? laughs> no man. <laughs> I don't know. I think we just we overlook it. Yeah, we it's do. It's so easy. Like, there's just something odd. Like, we're all connected to each other. Yeah. And we all get in our own head, and we all just want to become these miserable. And it's like, wait, let's step back and go, what the fuck? We're here. Yeah. This is incredible. Let's yeah. celebrate it. Anger can be a pretty nasty drug. For sure. You know, it, it, it can be it can be just as addictive. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not justified, but at yeah. the very least, you go, wait, if I'm lucky, I have eight. If I get 100 years I'm blessed beyond belief. It goes by in an instant. Yeah. So find something to celebrate. I, I think what people understand is that uh, the winner is never angry. You know, you talk to any boxer, and yes, he's mad. No, they, they stuck to their game. They stuck to their plan, yep. and they took their opportunities and never became emotional. Yeah. No how many times they got hit in the head, it never became emotional. Yep. You know, I mean, you know, of course, Muhammad Ali brought a whole different level of showmanship to it. But it was always business. Always. You know, and that people think that it's all about anger. And I would, and now, this time I'm mad. Well, then you're easy to defeat. Yeah. The yeah. T- yeah, the toughest guys don't even get, like, yeah. uh, I listened to this. There's this great podcast. There's this guy, Jocko Wilnick. Did you ever hear of him? No. He's a, a former Navy SEAL, world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. He's fascinating. Yeah. And he talks about that when he doesn't have anything that literally doesn't have anything to prove. Yeah. So when somebody's invading his space or they're getting angry, he's just calm the whole time. Yeah. Because he knows in a second he could choke you out. Yeah. So yeah. Like, no, he could yeah. feed you your nose. <laughs> exactly. I just swallow my nose. <laughs> right. So it's the people that lash out are the ones that yeah. they have to prove something to themselves. Yeah. Speaking of lashing out, we want to ask Mandy a question. Uh, pull up here for a second. I want to ask you a question. Um, Mandy, if you don't mind, Mandy. Mandy. Yeah. Mandy is like an important part of the show. First off, Mandy, uh, we have a, a something that you – we're not ready with it today, are we? No. We're not ready with it today. You are um, – you have been uh, recorded, okay, a song. You are part of a, a trio. Who was the comic that day, Cheryl? Oh, gosh, Mandy, you remember. What? what uh, we, we, we created a song called Eat It While You're Pregnant. <laughs> oh, is it that gum? Huh? Is it that gum? No, it's oh. when we were in here and you uh, we started talking about um and we're gonna play it next week. We're gonna debut world debut oh, of the song that you and I and uh Shirley's didn't look up the comic's name. Isn't that sad? You know, uh Ooh. but he's a very funny guy. Uh African American gentleman, big guy. Monroe Martin. Monroe, Monroe, that's right. Yeah. You and I and Monroe. Is that when I started going crazy about being a mom. You started sudden. going crazy about being <laughs> yeah. a mom. I started cussing. I started getting yeah. crazy. And Monroe and I started doing a little rap thing to it where he That's was beatboxing. I was going, eat it while you're pregnant. Eat it while you're pregnant. <laughs> and uh, so we went home and surely now for several weeks, like like a sound engineer, one of my best friends is one of the most legendary sound engineers in the world, a guy named Shelly Yakis, who's worked all the way from Don Henley with uh, Dr. Dre. Wow. And has just built a new recording studio at Crossroads of the World. Oh, wow. Okay. I used to live not far from there. Yeah, yeah. My first spot in Hollywood was on McCadden. That's like ah, a block away. Yeah. I did a play at Crossroads of the World once. Get out of here. Yeah, it was a real fast play. It was uh, the 80s, and we were all on Coke. So <laughs> it, it was a 90-minute play. It took 30 minutes. 
We rented a little room, a little space in a crossroads. Did you really study with Lee Strasberg? I did study with Lee Strasberg. That's incredible. Yeah, I did. And I was Hyman Roth is my favorite, maybe my favorite character. You know that, right? You know that thing yeah. he does? That was actually him. He had that. He had that little click in his voice. I was his class secretary, the last class he ever taught in Los Angeles. Wow. And uh, um, I, um, I made a conscious choice when I moved to Los Angeles in the seventies. Did I want to be a comic or an actor? And the Strasbourg Institute was on Hollywood Boulevard, and I went, I want to do that. So I kind of chose that path, and I studied at the Strasbourg Institute for years. It was also during uh, the great blizzard of uh, uh, of the early 80s, <laughs> and I got I got a little more caught up in that at that time. I heard that was, I, I, don't, I don't know, but the stories I've heard, like, why has that not been a movie yet? Like, I heard there was comedy clubs that would give you how you wanted to get paid. Yeah, yeah, there was, there was that... Uh, and it was uh, it was uh, Argus Hamilton loves this joke. Is one of my Argus. one of the first really jokes I wrote. It was ha- yeah, he's a great guy. He is the best. Yeah. And the joke was in the seventies, doctors told us that cocaine wasn't addictive. In the eighties, they made millions of dollars getting us off it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, genius. <laughs> All of a sudden, one day, well, rehab's covered by insurance, and uh, uh, and then so everyone into rehab. Yeah. So uh, Argus actually is uh, instrumental in my sobriety. Mm. And I'll just tell this. He, he won't. Uh, uh, he won't mind. I hope he doesn't mind. Uh, and I think I've told it before. I, uh, I had stopped drinking and using, and was uh, in a pretty dark place. Mm. I was going to a variety of meetings, and I went to one on a Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoons were dangerous for me. I thought by law a man was supposed to sit alone in a bar and watch sports on television and drink and do drugs all day, not with friends by yourself, <laughs> like that guy sitting on the corner stool just eating yep. nuts and what. That's who I yep. become. And, but it was Sunday afternoon, and I started to leave this meeting, and I was going, fuck it, I'm drinking. And as I got up, I kind of looked to my right, and Argus's little head popped over, and he still owed me money. <laughs> <laughs> I think he owed me like 150 bucks of a deal a couple months before. And I go, what the hell are you doing here? He goes, what are you doing here? So um, he's instrumental in that. But it was, it was an insane time. It was, and it was a great way to piss away your 20s yeah. living in Hollywood, doing all of that. Yeah. But uh, uh, I don't think it was worth Here's why no one has written a book about it. I'm going to tell you why. That's right. (laughs) People used to ask me why I drank and drugged so much. I go, because I'm a writer and I need experiences, but then I would black out. That's funny. All right, so we've made the song, Eat It While We're Pregnant, okay? You are, you are, a long time we were working to make sure we got your lead vocals, your thing. Remember, I used to make songs where it'd be like, like a military, uh, a patriotic song, where he'd be playing uh, drums and stuff. Yeah. And, like, and then my son joined the army. <laughs> it's one of those with you ranting about how to have healthy children. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> now, oh my gosh, we're going to debut hilarious. that. Oh, I'm okay. so excited. I have, <laughs> and we, we got to wrap up, unfortunately, but I have two questions for Mandy yeah. before we wrap up. And the first one is, is there a Pokemon in this office right now? I don't Pokemon anymore. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm fantasy football right now. I can't. I, I, now, when you say fantasy football, is it what Steve and I would think of as fantasy football? Or are you watching football players trying to figure out which one you'd make a baby with? Both. What, uh, both. Absolutely both. 100%. Yes. It's a whole different fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 100% both. Okay. All right. And, um, um, Damn it, what the hell was my other question? I had one other question. Oh, of all the comics that you have brought in here, okay, since we, because you've been bringing them in out for, what, about six months or a year? It's close to a year now. Close to a year, okay. Is there one that you wouldn't make a baby with, and could you tell us who it is? Uh, is he in this room? Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to understand, for her, this is not, it wouldn't be like a problem. You know, it's not like she would want anything from you or anything. She would actually call, baby. She would call your girlfriend and go, look, here's what's going on. You know, like one of those late late 70s yeah. movies about the changing in the world, you know. So, uh, is there anyone? Um. I want you to think about it so that you can tell us next week. This okay. needs to be revealed, okay? Okay. All right, because we want to, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, because your son is so gorgeous. We're always a little upset when you don't bring him with you. I almost brought him today, too. Okay. I almost Aww. did. I was going to ask his dad, because he loves kids, and he got to meet him the other day. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I should bring my son in. And then I, my son's dad's so crazy. We never know when it's going to be okay. And it's his He's not a comic, day. right? No. God, no. Yeah. Tennis player? No. No? no. Skeet <laughs> shooter? No. I'm picking some really common jobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, so I want you to think about it. i tell you why. Because... 
your your son is so cool and so perfect that people like you should be having more children. And whoever that comic is, we would get you guys together. Steve, if you called your girlfriend right now and go, look, man, my girlfriend's from Texas. She would, uh, freak. yeah, I know. She doesn't yeah. even like it when I smile because I'm nice. Yeah, 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 I know. I'm like, well, then, I can't, maybe Steve is so freaking nice. <laughs> yeah, my, my girlfriend's so, so jealous. Great. Yeah, is she? Oh, is yeah. she? Uh, is she white? Is she Latino? Yeah, white chick right, from okay. Texas. Yeah, because my wife is sitting right behind you. Is jealous if I look at you too long. So <laughs> Now you're looking at him for it. doing a show with him. <laughs> That's how Karen is. That's exactly how she is. Man, we are so glad you came in. This has I'm been so. This is all. I feel like I made buddies. This yeah, yeah. And, and, and we want you. We want you to. We want you to book him back soon. And we want you to come back soon. Oh, and no, uh, so great. yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, hear that? Thank you. Know? He is. Like, I've had so much fun with him today. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Eat it while you're pregnant. Eat it while you're pregnant. <laughs> you were at. Uh, you know, you're talking about seeing shows live. Um, that showroom at uh, the House of Comedy, you could, awesome. you could tell that it was built by a comic who, who goes, I want a place where comics will be able to shine. If you're listening um, uh, and you haven't experienced Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, you owe it to yourself. I, I said it before, I'll say it again. There are certain places you walk into and you go, oh, this is a cool place. Yes. Some places, it's like a dump or a dive. The Troubadour in West L.A., you walk in and go, this is a dive, and then they yeah. have incredible uh, artists. Yes, yeah, true. Musical artists. Where you walk into Rick's place and you go, even if there's nothing going on, I'm glad I walked in here. It's I feel beautiful. good about it. It's a beautiful place. And it's laid out perfect for comedy. Like, you can really see it's got a comedian's touch all over. It's it. got a comedian's touch who also knows what audiences uh, want and need in a showroom. Mm-hmm. And that's Rick Brunson's House of Comedy. Steve Simone, along with local legends John Gregory and Bob Kubota. Two shows tonight. Two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. Yes, sir. One show Sunday, an entire weekend of uh, after watching the Arizona. Listen, you're close to Glendale Stadium. After you watch the Arizona Cardinals whip the Tom Brady list New England Patriots, pop on down to House of Comedy and laugh about it with Steve Simone. That would be great. Thank That's you. That's it. All right, Steve. Thank you very much. You've been listening to this American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. We'll be back in just a moment.